The Gemara tells us an amazing story about Dan the Kafzichus. Rabbi? Yes, Sammy. How come all stories in the Gemara are amazing? <laughs> Probably because the Gemara is amazing. And so anything it tells us, anything the Gemara says, is really incredible and very important. But now, listen to this story. There was once a man who was very, very poor. He, his wife, and his children, oh, they had very little to eat. And the wife and the children walked around, probably in shoes that were held together by scotch tape, if they had scotch tape back then. And probably, when they were really hungry, they couldn't find anything to eat. And so they took a little pebble from the ground, and they put it in their mouth to suck on it, to feel like they're having something to eat or drink. Well, the father was so distraught. He was so sad about how hungry his family was, and how poorly they were clothed, that he decided he has to do something that was very drastic, very serious. He decided he would have to get a job that was far away, that would pay enough money to be able to support the family. And to get this job, he had to leave his home in the Galil in Upper Eretz Yisrael and travel to the south of Eretz Yisrael. And he had to commit to do this job, to work for this man for three years without a break. He was like an Evid. He was like a slave. Now, the truth is that he would have asked for the job for even longer. He was so desperate for money. But he couldn't. Because Halacha says in the Cheshi Mishpat and Shulchan Aruch that you're only allowed to make yourself like a slave by hiring yourself out for three years. Yes, Avramo. But Rabbi, I don't understand. If he's going away for three years to get money... That means that, that his wife and children are, are going to be dead when he comes back home because he's not going to leave them with any money. <laughs> That's a good point, everyone. No, they won't be dead because they'll borrow money. But if they can borrow money, yes, Sammy, then why didn't they just borrow money in the beginning? Why did he even have to go away from home? Because, Sammy, you can't borrow money without planning to pay it back. You can't borrow money and say, well, I'm going to borrow a dollar here and a dollar there and a dollar there and then just add up the bills and, and never pay them back. You have to pay it back. So they're going to borrow money, but he's going to have a job to get money to pay them back. But that means that, yes, Sammy, what does it mean? That he's going to go get a job to make money. They're going to borrow money, and he's going to come back with the money, and he's going to give them the money. They're going to give it back to who they borrow, and then they're going to have zero, and then they're going to back, be back to the same situation. He's going to have to go back for three years. They're going to borrow money. He's going to get money. He's going to come back. They're going to give the money to the people they borrowed it from, and then he's going to have to go back to work for another three years for the rest of his life. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're right, Sammy. But that's not what was going to happen. He was going to make money during those three years that would be enough to pay back whatever they borrowed and enough for him probably to start his own business so he can continue to make more money. But you know what, Sammy? Let's hear the story and see what happens. Okay? So this man went to work in the South for three years. For three years... He did not see his wife. For 36 months, he did not see his children. Yes, Yikusio. I don't understand. Why didn't he see his children 
for more time than he didn't see his wife. I mean, he didn't see his wife for three years, only three. And he didn't see his children for 36 months, which is 36. Yikusil. A year is how many months? 11? No, Yikusil, a year is 12 months. And if it was three years, what's 12 times 3? Um, um, let me get my calculator. It's 36. 36 months is three years. It's the same thing. I just was trying to be dramatic. Okay, it's just listen to this story, okay? And during those 36 months, during those three years, which was the same thing, his wife and his children borrowed money to be able to live, to have food, to have clothing. And he worked really hard. And every day he went to work. He didn't even leave the place where he worked because he was like a slave to the master. And every day he worked, he had in mind that one day soon he's going to go home. One day soon he's going to get on a wagon. And finally the day came. It was Erev Yom Kippur. He had been working for three years. And he went to his boss. And he said, Boss? And the boss said, Oh, yes, my dear friend, how are you? Boss, I came to say goodbye. Goodbye? I'm not going anywhere. But I am. Oh, where are you going? You're my servant. You were expected to work for me for three years. Where are you going? <laughs> I am going home. How can you go home? You're my servant. Three years are up. Oh, you're right. I see on my calendar right here. I didn't see it because it was covered by some other stuff on my desk. Oh, right here, yes. Oh, today's the day. You're right, you're going home. Have a wonderful trip. I hope you get a good trip home. Nothing, nothing is in your way. Everything is great. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your warm, your warm words. Yeah, you are a fine worker. If you ever need a recommendation, I will certainly write one for you. Maybe I should write one right now. Here, let me write up the recommendation. It works very nicely. Okay, here you go. And um, if you ever want another job, come right back, and I'll be glad to hire you again. Well, that's really, that's really very kind and, and, and special of you. All right, now I'm, I'm a little bit busy. I have some things to tend to. So uh, have a safe trip. Send regards to your family for me, even though they don't know who I am. And uh, one day we'll meet again in Yerushalayim. Um, sir? Oh, yes? Um, sir, there's, there's something that's missing. Missing? What could be missing? Well, you see, I took this job so that I could come back home with some money to be able to pay back people we owe and to be able to maybe start some sort of small business, small store. So I think what I'm missing is some money. Oh, did you misplace it? Did you put it in your bunk where you sleep? Did you, did you put it in there and, and it's not there anymore? Or maybe someone stole it. Uh, possible. No. No, no. I, I didn't misplace it. I'm asking. I worked for you for three years and I, I was expecting that when I left, I would be paid. Oh. I hear. So could you, could you perhaps um, give me some, some money? Um, I'm sorry. I don't have any. Now, tell me then. Yes, Avramo. Rebbe, that is the biggest chutzpah in the whole wide universe. I mean, he worked for three years and, and he asked for his salary and he's told he doesn't have any money. 
What kind of charades? What kind of game? What kind of chutzpah? I can't believe you should take him to the police. You should get him arrested. Okay, very good, Abraham. You're having the correct reaction. That's exactly what you should think. But let's go on in the story. Um, so I say, you don't have any, you don't have any money to give me. Um, maybe, maybe perhaps, maybe you have some, you know, when, when I was working in the fields, so I know that you have fruits. Maybe perhaps you have some, some fruits that you can maybe, maybe give me that I can take with me back home. Yes, Nassan? Rabbi, it doesn't make any sense. He worked for three years. You know how many fruits that is? Three years worth of fruits? That's like 47 million pounds of apples or something like that. I mean, what's he going to do with 47 million pounds of apples? Bring them home on his back? I mean, he's going to have to hire like a whole crew. It's going to cost him tons of money. just. To, and then when he takes the fruit, what do they do? Eat everyday breakfast, lunch, and supper? Apples? My mother once tried to do that. She once tried to serve the same kind of breakfast, lunch, and supper for like a couple of days straight. And, and, and I stopped eating because I said I didn't like it. Well, what was your mother serving? She, she was serving ice cream. Sammy called out, you don't like ice cream? Well, I, I like ice cream, but not every day for breakfast, lunch, and supper. I mean, I think that's why my mother was serving it. But anyway, yeah, you're right. It's a perfect, perfect reaction. You're right. It's an incredible thing that who would, who would think to take fruits? But this man said, maybe, maybe you would take fruits. Uh, what, did he have any fruits? Oh, listen to the story. I'm sorry. I, I don't have any fruits. No fruits. Abramo, Abramo, listen to what happens next. Well, maybe if you don't have fruits, you know, I, I know that you have, Baruch Hashem, you have, you have a, bunch of, a bunch of animals that you, you have. Maybe, maybe you can donate, maybe I could take some animals as my payment. Animals, Rebbe. <laughs> yes, Yisrael. Rebbe, I don't understand. He's going to take animals for a payment for three years of work. What's he going to take? He's going to take, you know, a bunch of donkeys and horses. He's going to start his own farm. I mean, I guess it's possible, but... But it's going to be such a schlep to get home. And then who's going to... That's a very good point, Avram. It's a very good point, Yisrael. Let's see how the story develops, okay? Let's just see. Let's be patient. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of don't have any animals to give you. Oh, Yvay. What am I going to tell my wife? Yes, Avram. What is he going to tell his wife? I mean, his wife's going to... Imagine what his wife's going to... Okay, one second. Well, maybe, perhaps, you might have some... Some land that I can have? Rabbi, that doesn't make any sense. Ellie, Ellie, calm down. What doesn't make sense about it? Rabbi, if he, he gives him land, what's he going to do? Put it in his pocket, dig up, dig up, like, a, 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 you know, dig up, dig up a whole area of land and put it in his pocket and bring it home? And then what's he going to eat for lunch? He's going to have for lunch when he gets home and say, Wife, for the Su'uda Masekas, for your Ervium Kipper, we're going to have a delicious dish of dirt. And, and then to, for Sukkis, we're going to have a delicious dish of dirt. And then, okay, that's a very good question. It's a very good question. What was he planning to do? And anyway, what's he going to do? He owes people money, and he he's going to say, "Oh, I owe you money. Here, here, have a, have a little bit of piece of the dirt here, or or I have some land in the Durham in the south, which is many hours away, probably, right?" That is true. It is many hours away. It's a very valid point. I'm I'm sorry, but I don't have any land. Rabbi, this guy's a god of Gemura. He's he like he like doesn't have anything to, to give. He, Rabbi, this. Guy's a bigger galiv than Lot, and love and put together. <sighs> Avramo, you're right. It sounds really terrible, doesn't it? It sure does. I think that, Rebbe, we have to get involved. Avramo, it's a story from the Gemara. Yes, Sammy. Yeah, but we can still call the police, and we can report that he's a thief. Sammy, it's a Gemara story. It happened a thousand, two thousand years ago. 
Oh, okay. Let's go on. Let's go on. Let's see what happens. What am I going to tell my wife? So do you have land? No, you don't have any land either. What am I going to do? All right. Well, I have one more option. I thought maybe perhaps, you know, I know that in your house, I've been in your house and I've slept in your house until until tonight when I'm going to be traveling towards my own house. I know in your house you have pillows and blankets. Is it, is it maybe possible that I could I could take from you pillows and blanket? Rebbe! Okay, okay. Surely, surely, calm down. But Rebbe, Rebbe. Yes, Avramo? Rebbe, what's he going to do? He's going to come home and he's going to say, today we're going to eat fried feathers and roasted feathers and burnt feathers from the pillows. Is that what he's going to say? And and they're going to get stuffed on the stuffing of the of, of the blankets? Rumble, you're asking such good questions. He's mamish and ganiv. Even even if he gives pillows and blankets, how many pillows and blankets for three years of work? He need like to buy a whole store, a whole bed and bath and beyond or something. Rumble, let's see what he answers. So so maybe I could have pillows and blankets. I'm I'm sorry. I I I don't have any. Not even pillows and blankets. He doesn't have. What 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 does he have? He he's he's a blind. He he doesn't realize what's in his house. Okay, that's a good point. But you know what this man said? The worker said? The tzaddik said? No. The tzaddik said, oh, okay, thank you anyway. And the tzaddik walked away. What am I sugar man? Excuse me, Avram. I, I mean, I mean, that's a, that doesn't make any sense. He walked away. He walked away and he went home. Oh, I could imagine what happened when he got home. Yes, probably you could. Rabbi, yes, Sammy. When he got home, probably his wife was really eager to see the money. She was, I'm sure. And she probably she probably went over to him and said to him, Where's the money? She probably said to him, Shalom Leichem first. Right. She said, Shalom Leichem, where's the money? Right, she probably did that. And and he probably said, I don't have any. That's probably true. She probably didn't say, Well, where the where the animals or where the where's the feathers or, or the pillows and blankets? That's true, Sammy. She probably didn't say that. And his kids, yes, Sammy, what about his kids? They probably said, Tati's home. They, they probably said that. They probably said, Tati, where's my gift? Because every time my father comes home from a trip, he brings a gift, and I, I... Yes, they probably did say that. And they probably went through his pockets. Could be they did. And when they didn't find the gift in his pockets, they went to his suitcase. Well, he didn't really have a suitcase, Sammy. He, he really just had a little bag on his back of his old clothes. Oh, they probably went through his bag. That's probably true. And when they found they didn't have anything, they were probably pretty disappointed. Could be. You know, because they haven't seen their father in three years. That, that's true. That means that he, he might have missed the bar mitzvah of his son. That's possible. He might have missed the wedding of his daughter. Could be. I, I, I really, I really don't know. So they'd be pretty mad. Could, could be. And his wife would be really upset. It could be. She'd be like, "What? What happened?" It could be. But probably, yes, Rabbi. Probably, if he was such a tzaddik, I would imagine that probably his wife was also a pretty big tzaddik, yes? and his kids were probably pretty, pretty, pretty big in the tzaddik range too. Yes, Avramo. Actually, Rabbi. It isn't always true. You see, I know the tzaddik, his... No, that's Lashnar, don't tell me. Oh, but anyways, kids aren't so big tzaddikim, you know. I mean, they're like... We're not talking about that. But let's just go on in the story. So what happened? They had Sukkot after Yom Kippur, of course. And can you imagine? Yes, Yigazil. Um, did they make a leisha basukah? Because we make a leisha basukah when we eat in the sukkah. Right, that's true. And if they didn't have any food to eat, then um, what did they... Um, Make a leisha, uh, well, I'm, I'm confused. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. 
Actually, you're probably right. They probably did not have the ability to make a Lejje Besukkah. They probably had no choice. They probably had to sit in the sukkah. Oh, actually, maybe they borrowed more money. I don't know. Rabbi, yes, Nachman. But according to Rabbi's own logic, nobody would lend the money because the only reason they were lending money is because they knew that their father was going to come back with money. But when he didn't come back with money, they wouldn't lend them. You're right. Excellent point. Shoo. You really, you guys really have captured the problems over here. That's great. Well, Yomtev passed by. <laughs> yes, Sammy. Maybe they air sipped. They what? You know how you sometimes air sip soda from friend to friend before Corona? Oh, right, before Corona, yeah. So maybe they air sip, they air sip their food. What does that mean? Maybe they had a bowl with nothing in it and they sipped it with their spoon. And that was like they sipped air and, and they had... It's a cute idea. But anyway, I don't, I don't know if they did that. But either way, let's go on. Motzel Yomtev. Maybe Isruchag. The boss pulled up in front of the house of the worker, of this tzaddik. The boss pulled up, bringing with him three donkeys. Each one was loaded with stuff. One donkey was loaded with food. One donkey was loaded with drinks. Rabbi? Yes, Sammy. Was it soda? Avramel? Avramel, what's the matter? Sammy, come on, that's ridiculous. Avramel, you don't talk to Sammy like that in class, remember? But Rabbi, there's an emergency. Sammy, how could they have soda in those days? They didn't have any soda. Everyone knows all they had was seltzer. Okay. You know what, boys? They probably didn't have soda. They probably didn't have seltzer. It was probably wine or maybe beer. And the third donkey was loaded to the brim with gifts and gifts and gifts. And the boss knocked on the door of the poor man's house. The poor man, I imagine, got up. The Gemara doesn't describe it exactly the way I'm describing it, but kind of like this. The Gemara, I mean, <laughs> the Gemara didn't get up. I mean, the poor man got up and he went to the door. And he asked, who is it? It's me, the boss. The boss is here. I wonder what he wants. And the poor man went to the door. He opened it. And the boss said, Shalom Aleichem, can I come in? Uh, 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 yes. Ah, I wanted to have a little su'uda with you. Please, I brought some food and some drinks. Would you like to join me in a little su'uda in your house, in your dining room? I mean, I guess. Uh, uh, yes, Ramo. Rabbi, if that guy showed up at my door, carrying all that food, even if I was hungry and starving and about to drop dead, even if I was as thirsty as, as a gilly monster in the desert, I would have walked over to that person. I would have smashed his hat off his head and I would have said you get out of this house right now because you are such a mean boy you are such a mean person you are a goddam you're a stealer you're a criminal you're Abramo I think we by now know that the person in the story is a very big tzaddik Sammy and we now know Abramo that Sammy we don't talk to Abramo like that in class remember okay Abramo I'll tell you after class what I was about to say well Sammy it takes one to know one guys 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 Okay, let's go back to our story. So, anyway, huh, the man said, sure. And as they ate and drank, it was a simcha dika su'uda. And at the end of the su'uda, the man, the boss, said to the worker, he said, Rabbi Yid, when I told you that I didn't have any money, what did you think? 
well, I, I kind of assumed that maybe like like there was some very important, you know, uh, prakmatya. <laughs> yes, Nasan. Rabbi, what's prakmatya? Good, it's a good word to know. It's a Gemara word. I know, Rabbi, it's from a story. <laughs> you're right, you're right. You're right. It's a story of the Gemara. Of course, it's a Gemara word. Prakmatya means an object of business. Like, like, let's say, you know, there was a fad and everyone's using fidget spinners. And maybe he, fought, he, he saw a whole load of fidget spinners he could get for a dollar and sell it for five. So I assume that you took all your money, all your liquid cash, and invested it into these fidget spinners, or whatever it was. Yes, Avramo. But Rebbe, remember we learned in Akainis that that a person's supposed to divide his money into three, and you're only supposed to use your third of your money. This guy did not vary. He didn't listen to Chachamim. And, okay, Avramo, Avramo, I know that, I know that. But this is what the poor man, the worker, thought might be the case. Maybe he did something wrong, but that's what he thought. The rich man continued to ask the poor person, and when I told you that I did not have any fruits, what did you think? Well, I thought that perhaps the fruits that, um, that I saw that we harvested, all those different fruits, I, I thought perhaps maybe, maybe you hadn't yet taken trumas and meisters from them. Although your warehouses were bursting with fruits and produce, but maybe you didn't take off trumas and meisters. And the halacha is that for a Talmud Chacham, you're not allowed to give away fruits without taking off trumas and meisters yet. Yes, Beryl? Rabbi, it doesn't make any sense. You mean, you mean he was down the kafsachus, he said, he said a nice thing to the guy that he assumed that he, he, the guy thought he was an Amaretz. Like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I thought you, you I, 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 I'm going to judge you favorably by saying that you think that I'm a dumbbell. Well, that's what he said. Anyway, Rabbi, couldn't, couldn't he have taken off Trubus Maishas then and given it to him? You know what, Eliezer? That's also a good question. But that's what he said. He said maybe that was the reason why he didn't give it to him. The rich man continued. And when I told you I didn't have any land to give you? Well, I thought maybe perhaps you had used your land for various sharecroppers and you'd pledge that they could use your land. Rabbi, back to Ganav. What do you mean? I mean, I mean, that's a Ganav. Letting somebody, letting somebody else get a sharecropper job on a land that you need for yourself, that you need to pay for. Rabbi, giving away land to sharecroppers when you know you owe somebody for three years of work. Come on, come on. It doesn't make any sense. All right, Avrama. That's a good point. And when I told you that it didn't have any animals, what did you think? Well, I assumed that you had rented all your animals out to other people and you couldn't back out of the deals. Yes, Sammy? I don't get it. I don't get it. That's so far-fetched. That's so Meshuggah. He owed him years of work. I mean, years of money. He owed him all that He owed him all that money and he, he's renting out his animals and making more and then what's he doing with that money? It doesn't make any sense. That's a good point, Sammy. That's a good point. And the rich man said, and when you asked for pillows and blankets, how did you understand why I wasn't giving them to you? Well, the poor man, the tzaddik said, I kind of assumed that maybe perhaps you were maktish, your nechassim. You made all of your belongings belong to hektish, and so you had nothing left to give me. Not even pillows, not even blankets. The rich man smiled broadly. 
And he said to the poor man, he said to the man who was the tzaddik, the man who was down the kafsachos in so many different ways, he said, I swear in the name of Hashem that that's exactly what it was. I have a son. His name is Horkinus. And he's not learning Torah properly in school. He's not steiging in his learning. He's not performing mitzvahs properly. And so I pledged all of my belongings to Hashem as a way of making sure that my son follows Hashem's will and does mitzvahs and learns Torah properly. And after I pledged everything to Hashem, I realized, Oive, I owe all this money to you. I realized, Oive, it probably is not the right thing to pledge money to the Beis HaMikdash, all of your money, in such a situation. And I went to the Sanhedrin, to the Beistin in our city, after you left, and I was Mater Neder. I got rid of my promise, and my property no longer belonged to Hektish. And now the man, the rich man, said to the tzaddik, said to the poor man, he said, just like you judged me favorably, just like you were dan mi lekafzichus, Hashem should judge you lekafzichus. Hashem should judge you favorably. Wow. Boys, do you hear the Misa? Do you hear the story? Do you hear how far out this poor man went to judge favorably someone else? Do you understand? Incredible. Incredible. And listen to the words of the Chavetz Chaim. Rabbi Galinsky, who expressed the story so beautifully, he says that the Chavetz Chaim says that the point of the Gemara, the reason why the Gemara taught you the story, is for that last line. That just like you judge me favorably, Hashem should judge you favorably. That if you judge others favorably, Hashem will judge you favorably. Yes, Abramo. Rabbi, I don't, I don't understand. What's the matter? Because the way judging people favorably works... I think, is I see a person does something. Like here. He didn't give him any money. It looks really bad. Like I said, it was like chuspah greva. Okay. But really, the reason, what's going on behind the story, I don't know. And I didn't know that he had made it hectic. Or that he had used his money for something else. Okay. So, that makes sense. If you judge somebody favorably, that means you're kind of judging them and saying you don't understand why they did something. Okay. But Hashem, you know, Hashem, he, he, he understands why we do things. If I do something, he, he, he knows why I did it, because he can read my brain. And so, what does it mean that Hashem judges me favorably if he, if he knows why I did it? It's like, it's like, if I know why you did something, then I can't say, oh, the reason he did it was because, because I know why you did it. And Hashem knows why we do everything. That Abramu is a million-dollar question. What? That's a question that's so beautiful, that's so appropriate, it's worth a million dollars. So is Rebbe planning to give me a million dollars? 
I'd love to. Unfortunately, I don't have a million dollars. Maybe this guy, the rich guy in the story. No, Rebbe, I'm not going to ask him for money. He, he's going to tell me he made, made it hectic. Okay, whatever. But that's a great question. And I'm going to tell you an answer. It requires really deep thinking. Are you ready? Of course, Rebbe. I'm ready for an answer. How about everyone else? Did everyone else understand the question? Did you understand the question, Yerucham? Yeah, Rebbe, it's a good question. I like the question. Sammy? Uh, actually, it is a very good question, Rebbe. I, if I had a million dollars, I'd pay off Remmel to a million dollars. Wow, that, that's really a good compliment. All right, so here's the answer. The answer is that when it comes to doing things wrong, you're right. Hashem, maybe, could say, knows why we're doing it, and it's wrong, period, end of story. Maybe. But for sure, when it comes to doing things right, well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to doing things right, do we always do things right, correctly? Rabbi, that's a little confusing. I know nothing. Listen, why? Let's say you do a mitzvah. Let's say, let's say you learn 15 hours over Pesach for Pirkei's program. Yeah, Rabbi, that, that, I, I tried that. I, I know nothing. That's why I picked on that one. So when you learn 15 hours, you did a big mitzvah. You learned a lot of Torah. But you did it maybe for the Kavod. But Rabbi told us, Okay, okay, okay. I'll give you a different example. Let's say you bench. And when you bench, you don't exactly know all the words by heart. But you pretend. And you say most of them by heart. Or you kind of don't know if, know what they mean. And you pretend you just like, whatever, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But, or let's say, um, let's say uh, your brother tells you that your mother wants something, and you go to bring it to your mother. But along the way, you give your brother a kick because he he stopped you from doing something as a messenger from your mother. So your mitzvah is compromised. In your mitzvah, it's not pure. There's something wrong, incomplete with your mitzvah. Now, if Hashem would judge your actions based on the letter of the law, based on Midas Hadin, then you wouldn't have a mitzvah. Your mitzvah is so puzzle, it wouldn't really help you in Shemayim. It wouldn't make you a tzaddik. The mitzvah would be, oi, it schmecks, it smells, ugh, not good, not good, not kosher. And maybe it would put you in the category of not a tzaddik. But you know what Hashem does? For a person who's done the kafsechus, this is what Hashem does. He says, you know, I'm going to look at the action of the mitzvah, and I'm going to look at it and say, you know, probably there was a factor that made it hard for him to do his mitzvah properly. Hashem knows that we didn't do the mitzvah correctly. And Hashem applies to that some logic, some understanding that makes it with Midas Harachamin to be something that is a mitzvah and that makes us into a tzaddik. And this is the Dan Lekav of Hashem. That Hashem looks at our actions and judges them favorably using Midas Harachamin and accepting them as mitzvahs even though maybe they shouldn't count too much. So the man, the rich man, blessed the poor man. Just like you were Dan Lekav to me 
Hashem should judge you, Lukafsechus, and look at your mitzvahs in a positive way. And maybe also in Midas Harachamim, it also applies to Averis. And look at your Averis in a positive way. That you did the Avera, but it wasn't really so much to rebel against Hashem, but you had to for whatever reason. You felt you couldn't help control yourself. Maybe maybe you tried your best. Maybe you just didn't know better. Whatever it is. But using Midas Harachamim. And that's the point of this story. That if you're Dan Lekafsechus others, if you judge other people favorably, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will judge you favorably. Hashem will judge you and look at your deeds in a positive light, in a light that makes you into a tzaddik, that makes you, in the eyes of Hashem, to be an exceptional person, the exceptional person that you really are striving to be. Yes, Maishi. Rabbi, that was such a beautiful, that was such an amazing, amazing story of Dan Lekashchus. I mean, I mean, wow, that was awesome. Great up. I'm glad you appreciated it. Now the challenge is, take that message and bring it to the ball field. Bring it to being with your friends. Bring it to the classroom. The next time you see your friend doing something that looks fishy, that looks like it's wrong, that looks like it's not gishmak, judge them favorably. Rabbi? Yes, Sammy? Rabbi, you mean like the fact that I'm missing my bike from my garage? Yeah, my brand new bike. Ooh, very nice. I got it for my Vicoma present. Beautiful. And I happened to see that Maishi rode up on my bike today to school. It's not your bike, Sammy. Maishi? Sammy, one second. One second. That's exactly an opportunity for Don Lekafsechus. What possible solution, what possible answer is there for how Maishi has a bike, your bike, in your mind? How could it work? I can't think of a single thing except that Maishi's a Ganeth. Sammy, Sammy, that's not appropriate. You can't think of Maishi as a Ganeth. He's a nice boy just like you. Abramo, I saw the look. Don't say anything. Okay, Rabbi, okay, I won't. So, what do you say, Sammy? Give me something. Give me something. Give me an idea. Maybe Maishi borrowed my bike because he, he needed it for an emergency. Excellent. That's exactly, that would be an example of Don Lekafsechus. But he didn't. He didn't what? He didn't borrow my bike with permission, and he didn't have it for an emergency. Because if he did, he wouldn't have brought it to school today. He would have been at the emergency. Okay, okay, fine. But so let's come up with something else. What other Don Lekafsechus maybe we can have for Maishi? Rabbi, but, but it's not Sammy's bike. Maishi, one second, one second. Let's just go through the possibilities. Go ahead, Sammy. What's another possibility? Maybe Maishi... Maybe Maishi... Maybe Maishi asked my parents for permission to borrow my bike. That's very good. But they would never give him permission because they know I don't let anyone ride my bike. I don't even let my father touch my bike. I don't even let my mother touch my bike. I don't let... Okay, but it's possible, right? Well, I, I guess. But that's a very good example. Maybe, maybe he got permission and you just didn't know about it. Well, how about one more? Give me one more possible Don Lekafsechus and, and then we'll be done. One more. Just give me one more little Don Lekafsechus. Rabbi, I, I can't think of not a single thing. There's not even... Rabbi, Maishi, Maishi. Rabbi, why can't Don Lekatskos be that it's just, it's my bike and it just looks like his bike? Ooh, Maishi has a point. Sammy, what do you think? Well, I, I guess it's, it's possible, but, but, 
Sammy, let me ask you a question. Is your bike made by a private person special for you? No, I bought it in Walmart. <laughs> well, maybe she bought a bike in Walmart also. But there was only one bike on display. Maybe they made another bike after you bought yours. Actually, Rabbi, I, I had my bike from before Pesach. Or maybe she bought a bike first. And you got the bike that was on display second. Well, I guess it's possible. Is there any way we can tell? I, I, I think there is. And what's that? We can call Maishi's parents. Um, or, every bike, does every bike have its own number on it? Actually, Rebbe, yes, Maishi. I had the police put, put on my bike. They, they do it sometimes. They, they, if you call them up, they put a special number on your bike. They carve it in. They carve in the number, a special number on my bike. And, and so I have a special police number on my bike so it can be located if it's stolen. Oh, perfect. Come, Rabbi said, come, let's go outside. The entire class packed out. Wow. Great job. Come on, follow me in the hall quietly. No, don't run ahead. Everyone has to be quiet. Everyone's still in the middle of class. Beautiful. Let's go. Where's your bike, Maishi? Excellent. Oh, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi. Oh, Rabbi Feingold, how are you? Baruch Hashem, you having a little field trip over here? It's not recess time. <laughs> yeah, Rabbi Feingold, we're taking a field trip to the bicycles, to the bicycle rack. Bicycle rack. It's, a, it's an interesting field trip. What's going on over here? We want, to, we want to be down the Kafsuchus. You have to go to a bicycle to be down the Kafsuchus. Sounds a little Sammy-like. You know, Sammy, you're trying, it's actually Sammy's involved. That's true. Basically, we're not sure whose bike this is, and we're trying to figure it out. Oh, everyone knows that's my son's bike. Rabbi Feingold, um, is, it po- yes, Maishi? is it possible that it's not? No, uh, it looks just like my son's bike. I'm sure it is. Exactly, Rabbi Feingold. And that's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to be down the Kafsuchus. Oh, you mean Moishi borrowed it. I get it. Moishi probably came to my house. My wife gave permission. <laughs> Rabbi Feingold. No, there's another possibility. What's that? Sammy, you tell Rabbi Feingold the possibility that you guys came up. I didn't come up with it. Maishi said, okay, but Maishi said it, but whatever the possibility. It, it's possible that Maishi, Maishi bought a bike that looks just like mine. Oh, really? And, and maybe, Sammy, go ahead. And maybe it looks just like Rabbi Feingold's son's bike. That's true. Oh, that's a good point, huh? Is there any way to know? That's why we're out here. Look over here. Maishi, show us. And Maishi, Maishi, right over here. Maishi says, over here, Rebbe, right over here. You see that number? 7233331. That's the number that the policeman engraved on my bike. You can see it's added to the bike afterwards. I see that. Sammy, did you have this number on your bike? No, I, I... I also went to the police, but my bike start number starts with an eight. Rabbi Feingold? Yeah, my, my son, we actually never went to the police, so uh, oh, my bike's... Oh, that's a good point. I should have you that. Excellent. Wow, what a practical example of Don Lekavsachus. Now, Sammy, you came up with Don Lekavsachus from Maishi, so just like you were Don Lekavsachus Maishi, Rabbi, that's kind of stretch. Rumble, be quiet. So too Hashem will don you the kafskos and Hashem. Boy, what an awesome class this was today. I think for everyone's real good efforts to learn the story of don the kafskos, we should have some extra recess. All right. Is that a good plan? Is that a good idea? What do you say, Pinchas? Rebbe, anytime we have extra recess, I'm happy. Me too. So let's go. Extra recess or by side. Zayizim.